0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Just before Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with palm branches waving and crowds of people shouting his name, Jesus has a moment with just his disciples. It's a moment that you and I need to talk about. So, this is God's word found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the other two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, This is God's Word. Dr. Baruch Fishkoff is a psychologist and a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. He's also the man who helped me understand one of the greatest mysteries I have confronted in recent memory. In a recent news article that I read, Dr. Fischoff explained that the reason many people have bought so much toilet paper of all the products that one could buy as they face a global pandemic, well, it's because buying a common household item like toilet paper allows people to feel a sense of control when they are otherwise feeling a sense of powerlessness. Dr. Fischoff said that by purchasing toilet paper, People regain a sense of control during what seems like a helpless situation. People want to be in control. Have you seen this meme? It's a polarizing meme that's been making its way around the internet. It says, your grandparents were called to war. You are being asked to sit on the couch. You can do this. In few words, this meme says a lot, but the basic message is clear. Each generation faces a defining moment, and not to minimize the very real sacrifice many, many people are making during this time, but what this generation is being asked to do, namely stay stay safer at home, is a less demanding course of action than going off to war. Yet why don't people stay at home? Why don't people adhere to social distancing encouragements and in many places, orders that are put in place by health and government officials? It's simple. People want to be in control. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Whether you're a two-year-old or a 32-year-old or a 62-year-old, nobody. Nobody likes being told what to do. People want to be in control. People want to have authority. At the very least, we want to have authority over our own lives. We want to have agency. Why do I bring this up? And why do I suggest that we're all a bunch of control freaks? Well, in the Bible story that we just read, there's a mommy and Two of Jesus' disciples who asked Jesus for authority. They asked Jesus if they can have control by being his right hand and his left hand men. It's very easy for us to listen to this Bible story and, and react with moral outrage. Who do these guys think they are? Who are these guys seriously asking God for this control? How arrogant could they be? After all, that's how Jesus' other disciples reacted too. They were indignant outraged. But come on, can you really be mad at James and John? They really just had the courage to ask for what you, me, the other disciples, and every human being that's ever lived has ever wanted. We all want to be in control. You see it all around you, don't you? People get upset when it seems like our control, our personal authority, is being taken away all because our freedoms to go to our favorite restaurants, to our favorite coffee shops, is now, for a time at least, being somewhat restricted. Perhaps you know people. You know people who resent the authority that others have in their life all because they want that authority for themselves. Take a moment. Think about your reaction when you hear or read the news. Do you complain about the way in which those who are in authority exercise their authority because, boom, you think you can do a better job? Or consider your worries. Do you worry about things that are outside of your control? Of course we do. We we all do it and it's because we want to control things, even things we rationally know we cannot control. Or try this. Take a quick inventory of your prayer life. What are the things that you pray for? Likely it's health, success, your reputation, respect, and money. How often are those prayers a reflection simply of our desire to have control over certain aspects of our life? People want to be in control. We want to be in control and have authority. And yet, Can you imagine where you and I would be if we really were in control of our entire lives? Would we really be better off? We think we know exactly what we need to be happy, to be satisfied, to be joyful in life. But what happens when life starts spinning out of control and things inevitably don't go the way we thought they should go? What do we do? Well, most often, we start to look for more control, don't we? We look for more control by running over people. Sadly, mostly the people we love, like our family, our friends, and our closest co-workers. Maybe we even start to manipulate people. We try to control circumstances, and and all of this to what end? All we end up doing is hurting people along the way. I'm stressed, you're stressed, and I'm no good to myself or to anyone else. You see, it's it's not just wrong that you and I and every human deeply wants control. Sadly, it's also harmful. But not you. Not so with you. At least, this needs not be the case for you and me. Why? Because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, in God's word, the picture of authority and the picture of control that we see is far different than we see anywhere else in our life. What we see is Jesus' perfect approach to authority. We see Jesus demonstrate complete selflessness for those over whom he has authority. What you and I see on Palm Sunday is the king of kings, the one king at whose name every knee on earth and earth and under earth must bow. We see this one take all his authority and flex it, but do so in the most surprising way. He used his authority to do what only someone with a complete authority could do. He had the power to let power go. He allowed himself to be delivered over to people who were far below him. And he did it for them. He did it for you and me. He allowed himself to be condemned to death. He allowed himself to be handed over to people who mocked him, people who flogged him, and ultimately crucified him. And then... Oh and then he used that same authority to pick back up his power and use that power to on the third day raise himself to life. And now, and now there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no judgment. There's none of that. There's none of that for you and me who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus you have been given life. You've been given life by a spirit who has set you free, free from guilt, free from shame, Free from judgment. You see, Jesus didn't use his authority to command us. He used it to invite us. Invite us to know his perfect, unconditional love. He used his authority not to demand things from us, but he used it to give things to us. His forgiveness, his joy, and his peace. He used his authority to rule us. No, he used it to serve us. save us. He saved us from the condemnation we had coming. He saved us from the condemnation that our abuse of being discontent with authority deserved. He saved us from the condemnation we deserve for wanting authority that isn't ours. Christ, Jesus didn't just demonstrate perfect authority. He used that authority to save us and to serve us. And he uses it To serve us still. You see, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you and me. Think about this. If Jesus used his authority to move heaven and earth so that you could be by his side in heaven, if Jesus used his authority to give up his life so that you could have eternal life, How much more is he using his authority right now to serve you and make sure every little detail of your life is working out for your good? Look, when you and I take the reins of our lives and and take control and, and try to control things, well, things will inevitably end up badly. Why? It's because we have this idea of how we want life to go, but we don't have the authority to actually control how things are going to go. But when you give the reins of your life to the one who's actually been in control of your life from the very beginning, well, you're gonna be blessed. And you're gonna be blessed in ways you never would have drawn up for yourself, nor you ever could dream of by yourself. You see, when the king of kings rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, He rode to win your life, your eternal life, and he did it also to set you free in this life from the twisted and detrimental desire we all have to be in control of our lives. And in replace, he's given us a new life, a life filled with a lot more calm, a life defined by resilience because you're rooted in Christ and his love. A life marked by calm because we have peace with God and therefore we have peace with ourselves and we have peace in this world. When things go sideways in life, people think the human response is either one of two choices. We can one, surrender all control and fatalistically say, it is what it is. Or people think you can freak out and try to grab as much control for yourself as you can. For the Christian though, it's not either or, it's actually neither of those things. When life does not go according to plan, the response of the Christian is simple trust. Trust that the king who rode on to die for you is in the saddle of your life. The one who was in the saddle of the donkey now sits on his throne and he is holding on to the reins of your life, keeping everything steady. Look... Your king comes to you. He comes gentle and riding on a donkey. He doesn't come like other kings. He is not riding on a white stallion, but a donkey. There are no wealthy aristocrats attending him, but common fishermen. There's no crown, but the only crown he's going to get is a crown of thorns. He is not ascending to his throne, but he is going to be lifted up high, up high on a cross. He will conquer. But it's not by shedding his enemy's blood, it's by spilling his own blood. And it's all for you. He's doing it all for you. You see, for as long as there have been wars in this world, developed societies have held drafts. Officially, it's called conscription. Drafts have been employed by governments requiring men to take up arms and go to war in war times. There's even historical evidence that ancient Babylon held drafts for their countrymen. And it's only become more official over time. And for as long as there have been drafts, well, people have looked for ways to get around it. Specifically, what's popped up in every country and every nation that's ever had a draft was a substitution program. Sometimes legal, and sometimes illegal. Either way, the idea is simple. If you get someone else to take your place, then you'd be free to not go to war. This happened in a bunch of ways, but most commonly, this substitution happens by paying someone. And it isn't cheap, it never is. So often, what you see happen during wartime is this strange affluence disparity that results. The rich and those in positions of power and authority are able to pay for substitutes and the poor who have very little power or authority become the substitutes for the rich and the powerful. This economic inequality actually has produced a saying, it's a rich man's war but a poor man's battle. But in the war for our souls and in the victors parade that we see on Palm Sunday, We see something much different. We see something far different. We see the king, the one in whom all power and authority resides. We see this king who's also rich in love. And instead of sending the spiritually bankrupt off to fight a battle that we were sure to lose, he went. He went and he paid the ultimate price so we wouldn't have to. The Prince of Peace went in the pauper's place. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A lesson from Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fool of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the gospel of your Lord. Amen.